Okay, we'd like to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study for March 21st, 2010. We're going to continue with the study. We're going to shift gears now and uh, talk a little bit about the Catholic Church, one of my favorite subjects. And this is from Cutting Edge. It's called The Reality That Cardinals and Bishops at the Highest Levels of the Vatican Are Gay is Being Loudly Proclaimed Throughout the Entire World. Uh, this is from The Guardian from March 4th of this year. Vatican hit by gay sex scandal. Reaching into the depths of Pope Benedict XVI's papacy by John Hooper. Uh, this is from the story. It says, The Vatican today rocked by sex scandal reaching into Pope Benedict's household after a cloister or a chorister was sacked for allegedly procuring male prostitutes for for a papal gentleman in waiting. I, I love that that term. Gentleman in waiting. It should be like papal pervert in waiting. I, I love how they call strip clubs gentlemen's clubs. You know, these these nude bars and stuff. They're gentlemen's clubs. No, they're perverts clubs. Now I'm not saying that because I think I'm Mr. Goody Two Shoes, I'm just saying that it's, you know, it's wrong, it's perverted. You got to admit. Well, this is a jet, a papal gentleman in waiting, Angelo Balducci, a gentleman of his, I quote, I put unholiness because I refuse to call him holiness, and I also took out all the references to Father, where it says Father this and Father. This. Jesus says, "Call no man Father, but your Father in heaven." Father is not a biblical term. Neither is reverend. The Bible talks about holy and reverend is he, meaning God. He deserves our reverence. He is reverend. Somebody calling themselves reverend, it's not biblical. I did a whole, this is like only a 20 minute teaching, but I mean, that term is not biblical. Not from, not from a, you know, to call somebody, I think the best would be reverend father. That would be even better. You know, two totally unbiblical terms in front of your name. And then the fact that, that most of these people are totally unqualified to be a pastor, bishop, elder, deacon anyway. The Bible says you're supposed to be the husband of one wife. Husband of one wife. Even deacons. Over and over again. Well, these guys are celibate. Which is what creates this forced celibacy. Is what creates this satanic environment. Not only all the satanic garbage and bondage that the satanic church brings. Which is literally the largest white witchcraft organization on the planet. It's just witchcraft. It's, it's just repackaged paganism. I mean, don't, don't, don't think I'm biased or anything. I mean, I don't mean to give you that impression. Sorry. But, um, it's the largest pseudo, pseudo, meaning false, Christian cult on the planet. I call it a cult. Yes, I do. I believe God calls it a cult, which is more important than what my opinion is. So, Angelo Balducci, a gentleman of his unholiness, was caught by police on a wiretap negotiating with Thomas Eheim, a 29-year-old Vatican chorister, over a specific physical details of men he wanted brought to him. So they had to be, you know, a certain height and whatever, who knows whatever, <laughs> were his requirements. Transcripts in the possession of the Guardian suggested that numerous men may have been procured for Balducci, at least one of whom was studying for the priesthood. Wow, that that is, I mean, this is about as sick of anything as I've ever heard. Balducci was arrested on February 10th, suspected of involvement in widespread corruption. A senior Italian government official, he is allegedly, he is alleged to have steered public works contracts toward favored bidders. Bidders. What's what standing does Angelo Balducci have with the Pope Benedict's hierarchy? Balducci is also a senior advisor to the con- Congregation for the Evangelization of Peoples, the department that oversees the Roman Catholic Church's worldwide missionary activities. Since 1995, he has been a member of one of the world's most exclusive fraternities, the, quote, gentleman of his unholiness, or Papal gentlemen. What an oxymoron. The ceremonial ushers of the papal household. Ah, 
so much pomp, so much circumstance. Aren't we holier than thou? As the Bible talks about in Isaiah. Come not near me, for I am holier than thou. I am a papal gentleman in waiting, or gentleman or whatever, of his holiness, of his unholiness, it should be. And here, here, here's their, um, their motto. In the words of the 1968 ordinance, they are expected to, quote, distinguish themselves for the good of souls and the glory of the name of the Lord. Well, I mean, you know, procuring male prostitutes, you know, I, I, would, I would say that kind of falls short of that uh, motto. Now, if you think about it, if you're a Catholic priest and you're doing this, what, what is Satan using you for? He's using you to teach a works-based religion. But the Bible says that we are saved by grace through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We're saved through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, his shed blood to pay our sin debt. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. But a Catholic priest or somebody that's devoted themselves to the Catholic religion is a tool of Satan. That's all they are. I don't care if they go around and feed children and do all kind of wonderful works. The bottom line is, is if that child says, wow, look at this wonderful Mother Teresa or whoever, I want to be just like her. And when she dies, she goes straight to hell and understands that she just lived a whole life of lies. And that all her works were filthy rags before God, as the Bible talks about. For all our righteousness are as filthy rags. And there's none... I mean, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You can't earn your way to heaven. It cannot be done. It's, it's a gift you either freely receive or you freely reject. You can't earn it. But the Catholic religion teaches you do earn it. And there's no guarantee then... Even after that, you know, you got to have the prayers for the dead, and you got to have that whole funeral thing going on. You got to have, hopefully, you had last rites by the priest. Hopefully, you went to confessional enough. Hopefully, you prayed to enough idols. The Bible forbids idolatry. Well, it's okay when you when you make them look like Mary, Mother Mary, and Peter, Paul, and Mary, and whoever else they pray to. It's okay when you do that. Oh, okay. Do you know that they actually remove that commandment out of their Ten Commandments, and they split? I believe it was the ninth or 10th commandment in two in order to do it. I've done whole studies on it. I'm not making it up. They've removed the thing about idolatry out of the 10 commandments. Well, isn't that convenient? Well, they got to have that whole idolatry. They make millions every year off that. But if you got one of those statues in your house, you better get rid of it because it's cursed. It's an abomination before God. The Bible says there's one moderator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, not Mary, who, who they have proclaimed as co-redemptrix. Meaning, you got to get saved through Mary, or they're really trying to make it truly official now. Just saw the thing the other day. But there's many in the Catholic Church that believe that, that she's co-redemptrix. Meaning, we're redeemed, not just through Jesus Christ, but through Mary. And actually, Mary's more important. Why? Because she's the mother of Jesus. They portray Jesus in the Baltimore Catechism as this angry, angry Jesus on the throne in heaven, and Mary off to the side is the only one that can calm him down and plead with him. So if we go through Mary, she can get to Jesus for us. That's what they're taught. It's cultic lies and garbage. We come boldly before the throne of grace to make our supplications known through the Lord Jesus Christ, our heavenly advocate. They're to distinguish themselves for the good of souls. All they're doing with their whole life, ultimately, is taking people to hell. They may do tons of good, but if they are pointing these people to the Catholic Church, they are doing nothing but pure evil in God's eyes. Their righteousness are as filthy rags. They're pointing them to a cult that can only damn them to hell for eternity. And the glory of the name of the Lord, it says here. That's what they're supposed to do. They're not bringing any glory to God. They're bringing glory to the Catholic Church. They're pointing everybody to the Pope, who says that he's the vicar of Christ. Literally, that's what's on the inside of his mitre that he wears. That Dagon-looking fish hat? That's where it comes from, Dagon the fish god. Dagon was the one that Samson went against. You read the story of Samson and Delilah. 
Well, he destroyed the temple of Dagon. Well, isn't it kind of funny if you look at that miter from the side, it looks like a fish. The opening is a fish mouth. Symbolic of Dagon, one of the many deities that the Catholic religion covertly promotes and worships behind closed doors. That's just one. But it says vicar of Christ. What does vicar mean? Substitute. He's the substitute of Jesus Christ on this earth according to them. What an abomination. Again, don't think I'm biased. I mean, I don't want to give you that impression here. Anyway, um, in other words, the sword scandal of highly ranked Catholic priests pursuing an active gay lifestyle during their duties reaches right up to the throne of Pope Benedict XVI. The largest denomination which calls itself Christian, and they're anything but Christian, but oh boy, the, the, the pagans and the New Agers, they just love to lump us in with the Catholics. They will bring up the Inquisition, the Spanish Inquisition, which is one of the things I bring up when I point out how wicked the Catholic Church is. But no, 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 no. They, bring, they, they lump us all into that. Oh, you Bible-believing, you're all the same. You're just part... No, you don't understand. The Catholics were the ones that were primarily trying to kill the true Bible-believing Christians. Fox books, Fox's Book of Martyrs bears this out. Historical records bear this out of the Anabaptists and these types of people. They were the ones that, that were trying to be slaughtered. Not, not only the Christians, but anyone that wouldn't convert to their pagan, satanic religion. They've killed more people in the name of religion than probably anyone has. That institution, that abomination, the Spanish... But, oh, I guess we're all supposed to just sweep that under the rug, you know? <laughs> just kind of forget about that. That's how wicked and evil the Catholic Church is. Hey, I went to a Catholic high school. I know all about it. I, I've got a little time in that organization. As before I've saved, but... The largest denomination which calls itself Christian is shot through and through with active homosexuality. By their fruits you shall know them, right? That's what the Bible says. Well, I would say that, you know absolute perversion and homosexuality and forced celibacy, that's one fruit that I could do without. That's one fruit kind of openly showing you how wicked and corrupt they are. The scandals never go away because the priests continue to practice their gay lifestyles, even as the Vatican undergoes a public relations campaign to try to restore its image as individual cases become public. Forced celibacy on priests is the reason for this gay aberrant lifestyle. When the ancient Babylonians and the ancient Greeks forced their priests into celibacy, gay sex became the norm very quickly. Did you know that? This started back with the ancient Babylonians and the ancient Greeks. You force them into that lifestyle, gay sex becomes the norm very quickly. Therefore, when the Vatican announced that its priests would be forced into celibacy, her officials knew from history that they were unleashing a constant torrent of aberrant sexual activities within the entire priesthood. It's all by design. Satan was doing that on purpose. Well, let's face it, too. I mean, if you're engaging in that lifestyle and, you, and you're doing this, you're going to have a, if, if the church is willing to protect you, you're going to want to stay. Therefore, you can practice this covertly, and you know you've got this multi-billion dollar organization that's going to get your back. And that's what they've done. For the most part. Please take a moment to read some of our archived headline news. Now, this is from Cutting Edge. I'll have these links up there. You do have to subscribe to them in order to actually have access to these articles. It's $25 a year. I believe it's well worth it. The first one, I'm just going to read you some of the titles of this so you can get a flavor. First one is, Traditional Roman Catholic Church Shown to be a Practitioner of White Magic Witchcraft. Remember what I said about white magic? Well, this one's going to prove it. It's part one and two. Next one, Roman Catholic Priests Abusing Children Constantly. The evil confessor, yet Roman Catholic theology states a, that a priest currently involved in mortal sins may still forgive sins. So they can go around and they can be involved in these mortal sins, homosexuality, debauchery, whatever, but they still have the power to forgive sins. Truly, these are doctrines that demons teach. Next article, why do child sex abuse victims of Catholic priests remain silent for decades rather than immediately reporting it to their parents? Now, a ton of them have come out and said this, but 
Once you understand how the child is supernaturally bound by a priest through the Roman Catholic doctrine, you will shockingly comprehend the monstrous threat to all children posed by the Catholic priesthood. Meaning, a priest supposedly has the power through the, sub, through the process of transubstantiation to literally change the Catholic communion host and the wine into the literal body and blood of Jesus Christ. This is why they still have Jesus Christ literally on the cross via the crucifix when they have services. They want to keep continually re-crucifying him over and over because it's your, your, your sin that hasn't been paid. It has to be, you got to go through all the rigmarole. To do it, you got to go to confession. You got to keep the seven sacraments. You got to go to communion. Well, if a priest rapes you and you believe that the Catholic Church is the only way to heaven, the child then becomes supernaturally bound by the priest through the Roman Catholic doctrine. Oh, he's doing it for the good of the kingdom. Evidently, he's raping that little boy. How sickening! The Bible says that it would be better if a millstone were hung about their neck and they'd be cast into the midst of sea in the midst of the sea, then you offend one of these little ones that believe on Jesus Christ. It's well known in the occult world that um, sodomy of children and rape of children is one of the key and best ways to demonically infest them. Just read Aleister Crowley's writings. I don't advise you do that. I don't advise you get any of his books. I'm just saying he's admitted it in his writings. Aleister Crowley, the most wickedest man self-proclaimed of the last of the 1900s. The beast, the 666, how he liked to portray himself, openly bragged about how he would sexually molest little children and said that they, they were the, you know, you want to get them as early as possible so you can maximally defile them and, 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 and curse them and, and demonically, it's literally like you're demonically injecting demons into them when you do this. It's sick, but it, it happens. I did a whole study on pedophilia that I don't ever want to relive again. But it's up there. It's up on the internet. If you want to access it, Scott Johnson, and then just do, I don't know, pedophilia, or you'll find it up on YouTube. Or even on contendingfortruth.com. Uh, It'll be up there in the, under the audio archive section. Oh, this is terrible. Uh Next article reveals how a pedophile priest confessed directly to Pope Paul VI, but his, quote, unholiness took no action. It was entitled, Pedophile Catholic Priest Confessed Directly to the Pope in 1973, but his unholiness took no action. Later, over 50 children were molested and raped by the same man. Oh, we don't, we don't want to discipline. You know, we want to just let them go on and do what they're going to do. You know, priests will be priests. Evidently, that's how they look at it. I mean, we're talking some unbelievably sick, demented, twisted, highest abomination in God's eyes stuff that you could possibly look at. I don't think that you could get much worse than this in God's eyes. Next article. Proofs that sexual sins of Roman Catholicism have existed long before the 40 years admitted by priests of today. This was... Um, quote from a book in 1949 entitled I Was a Priest. It says forced celibacy or auricular confession and some aspects of the priest training render a Roman Catholic priest a sexually abnormal person or sex pervert. That's what a guy said who was a priest. Forced celibacy. What's the next thing? Auricular confession. What's that mean? Auricular, auricular means your ear. When you hear something, you're hearing it through auricular, okay, the ear, auditory. The Bible says that we confess our faults before men, but we, we go to God when it comes to the gory, if there's anything in our lives. We're not supposed to go and confess every gory sin that we've ever done to our fellow man. There's no Bible for that. Confess your faults one to another. But it doesn't say about anything about you got to go to get your sins absolved. you got to go to some man who has to hear your confession. He's just a man. He's in a demonically infested institution. He is demonically infested if he's in that institution. I don't care how many robes they put on or how holier than thou they try to make themselves look or how sanctimonious they may act. They are of their father the devil as long as they're in that institution. I'm not saying people haven't got saved. 
But as long as they're in the institution, they're serving Satan under the guise of Christianity, which to me I think is more of an abomination than being a Satanist. At least a Satanist is honest about it. Auricular confession. Why? Because there's certain things you don't need to hear. We're supposed to reprove the unfruitful works of darkness and manifest them in things of this nature. But we don't have to go into every little detail, gory sin. It's enough to say somebody was caught in a homosexual act. You've got to get into the, de- the gory details of everything that's went on. I leave a lot out when I, I just... There's some things I'm going to be getting into in some articles we're going to be discussing today. I, I had to leave stuff out. Because it wasn't appropriate to even say it. In other words. So... There's a kind of a fine line, and when you get into this auricular confession, supposedly these people going into these things, they're supposed to confess everything to the priest. Well, here, here we've got a priest who's been forced into a lifestyle of sexual deviancy. This guy's saying that they're sex perverts. They're forced into celibacy, and now they're hearing all these torrid stories through the confessional. You think that's not going to mess him up? Or you think all these wicked thoughts aren't going to enter into his already demonically infested mind? No wonder they're messed up. I pray to God those that can be saved out of this institution would be. And I know there's people that have been. I got a whole tape on it one time of these people that came out of the Catholic Church. Nuns and priests and these types of things. Praise the Lord, they got saved. It, it can and does happen. These are people that you really we need to be praying for. Most won't come out, though. I mean, let's face it. Narrow is the way which leads to life eternal. Few there be that find it. Most people want to earn their way to heaven. And and if you want that thing, there's hardly a better choice than the old Catholic religion. You're not going to earn your way any, any place but hell, though. But it's very appealing for somebody that wants a works-based uh, religion that leads them supposedly to heaven. It's a it's a great religion for that. And if you like all the accoutrements and all the vestments and all the big, high, expensive, multi million dollar structures that they possess and own, it makes you feel real holy. And makes you and then you know if you like all that, well, it's a place to be, I guess. That's why it appeals to so many people. It's terrible, but that's the truth. Going back to 1710, we find that predatory priests were preying upon women in the confessional using all techniques we have before described. They were preying on these women through the confessional, including threatening the women with torture and death at the hands of the Inquisition. Remember when I talked about the Spanish Inquisition? See, back then, they were in control, politically as well as religiously, essentially. So they could do a whole lot more then than they could now. If they had that kind of power now, they would be doing the same thing. Don't kid yourself. Did you know the Office of Inquisition has actually been brought back? It's been brought back. I did a whole study on that, how the Office of Inquisition, which was formerly in the Spanish Inquisition, has actually been brought back. And they've come out recently saying the Catholic Church is the only one true church on the planet. Just because they're on their, I wouldn't say molesting kids is on your best behavior, but they're on as much as they can be on their best behavior. They are right now. But any satanic religion that would take power, literally, politically, and religiously over a land, the same things would happen in almost any religion or any cult. Satan's in control of it, and he is. Well, this is what's going to happen. But these... um, would be including threatening the women with torture and death at the hands of the Inquisition if she did not submit to his sexual lusts. I would imagine that would maybe apply to men too. I don't know. And then the next article, The True Face of Roman Catholicism Inquisition, The Rotten Spiritual Fruit from the Abyss of Hell. I like that title. That's pretty appropriate. And then the next one, Celibacy in the Catholicism is not the issue. Forced celibacy is the issue. Okay, what does that mean? That means that some people literally are celibate for the kingdom of God. The Bible's clear on that. It's almost like a gift that's given to them. Jesus talks about it. But most people aren't. Particularly, I mean, if they're young. So, celibacy is not 
the problem. It's forced celibacy that's the problem. And it's unbiblical. And the Bible says the pastor, the bishop, the elder, the deacon is supposed to be the husband of one wife. As the world spins toward an acceptance of the gay lifestyle, people will find this Catholic gay lifestyle to be less and less offensive. That's another angle I hadn't even thought about. Truly, we are close to the Antichrist arising from on the world scene. Here's the next article. Catholic priest Gabriel Amareth confirms disclosure by Malachi Martin and says Satanists exist at the highest levels of the Vatican. A renowned exorcist in Rome, ah, please, with the renowned part, I would have edited that out, I should have read that closer. The, the thing that I have a problem about exorcism and Catholicism is, is if Satan cast out Satan, a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. So all this stuff about exorcism and Catholicism, I think is a demonic show. I really do. Are these people really getting rid of, a, of demonic baggage? Well, maybe in some cases they are to a certain extent. But maybe it's only to adopt more demons that aren't maybe quite as manifest as the others. I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's a whole show to make the Catholic religion more appealing. Oh, look at this renowned exorcist. How can you be in a satanic cult religion damning people to hell and be an effective exorcist? meaning casting out devils and demons from a person. It just doesn't add up to me whatsoever. Anyway, that's my opinion. But uh, This exorcist in Rome recently released a book of memoirs in which he declares to know the existence of satanic sects in the Vatican where participation reaches all the way to the College of Cardinals. Um, in a book of memoirs released in February, the noted Italian exorcist Gabriel Amaroth affirmed that yes, also in the Vatican there are members of satanic sects, end of quote. When asked if members of the clergy are involved in this, when asked if members of the clergy are involved or if this is within the lay community, he responded, quote, there are priests, monsignors, and also cardinals. Oh, not, not monsignors? Oh, no. Oh, sorry. The book Father Amareth, Memoirs of an Exorcist, My Life Fighting Against Satan. Give me a break. Your life promoting Satanism, essentially. Just repackaged. It's white witchcraft. My Life Fighting Against Satan. Ugh. Anyway, it was written by Marco Tosati, who compiled it from interviews with a priest we mentioned. When he was asked by Tosati how he knows the Vatican clergy are involved, he answered, I know from those who have been able to relate it to me because they have had a way of knowing it directly. The famous Italian exorcist was also asked if the Pope was aware of the satanic sects in the Vatican. To which Amaroff replied, quote, Of course he was informed, but he does what he can. It's a horrifying thing. Oh, you know, I know about these satanic sects. I do what I can. I do what I can. You know what I'm saying? I mean, uh, he does what he can, guys. I mean, come on, back off the Pope. Now, I told you about the new toiletry line the Vatican's coming out with, right? The flagship product's going to be the Pope on the rope. Sorry, I lost control there. Anyway, yeah, uh, he does what he can, so, you know, I, I guess uh, that's good enough for me. I don't know about you, but, I mean, how unbelievable. You would know about, you, you know about the gay, the gay homosexual rampant lifestyles that are permeate through there. I've heard estimates that, that up to over 50% of the priests are this. I mean, if you're forced into this lifestyle and you're demonically infested from the very cult that you're in, it's high probability you're going to give into it. And now he knows of satanic sects that are that are in there. Um, but, you know, hey, he does what he can. Come on. I mean, you know, I just, these people that follow this cult, I, they're just so incredibly brainwashed and deluded. And when they make these pilgrimages to all these shrines and all these places where these miracles are happening, they're supposedly occurring, what are they? They're lying signs and wonders. It's the very way the Antichrist is going to deceive and the false prophet is going to deceive the whole world. It says it in the Bible that through his miracles... And his lying signs and wonders, he will deceive the whole world. And if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. 
in all of these apparitions that occur, and Marian apparitions, and there's a one called Messages from Heaven that you ought to watch. You can go watch it online. And it's about all these apparitions. And it breaks down, what are the apparitions saying? Well, Mary comes and she appears. And there's very little that's spoken about Jesus. But everybody, most of the apparitions are pointing everybody to Mother Mary for our redemption. Well, it's, it's nothing more than either a devil, a demon, or a fallen angel masquerading in this apparition-like form and deluding and deceiving these people. And it's incredibly... This cult, the power that it has over people, is incredibly powerful. How do you know that? Just try to witness to one of them. See what happens. I'll leave it at that. I'm not saying they can't get saved. I'm saying that the people that are ultimately, demonically, totally in bondage to this, you can have somebody that was a very sweet person, like my grandmother, and you start to show them the truth about this, and you see how mean they can be real quick wow where did that come from well it came from the devils and the demons that were there all along and they showed their true colors and i'm telling you i've seen it happen and it it happens you you don't understand what you're dealing with when you're dealing with a catholic most of the time they can be as nice as pie on the outside you start sending them this stuff it doesn't matter what it is that's why you got to pray about this stuff before you witness to them Praying fast. I, I mean, if you really want to do it the right, the all the way, praying fast before you do this. Because they can be venomous. Not to say other cults can't be as well, but I've noticed the Catholics can be extremely uh, venomous when it comes to this. Okay, so continuing further, next article is, this is an excerpt from Apollyon Rising, 2012, a new book by Tom Horn. Uh, on Satanist, Masonic, occultists in the Vatican in their plane. And again, I, I present this information, you know, so that we can have some cross-confirmation of what we're talking about here. In recent years, several Catholic priests, some now deceased, have been surprisingly outspoken on what they've seen as the inevitable danger of the false prophet rising from in the ranks of Catholicism as a result of the secret Satanic Illuminati Masonic influences. Okay, so now here's another angle that you have. You have the Masonic angle, which is another thing that I hadn't mentioned about, you know, Illuminati, Masons, Zionism, Catholics, you know, you got all these different Satanists, Luciferians, 13 families of the Illuminati, you got all these different ones, and again, it's like a big group effort. Okay, and I understand there's a lot of infighting between factions, but in this particular instance, they're talking about the Illuminati slash Masonic influences. According to Catholic priests such as uh, John O'Connor, Alfred Kuntz, Malachi Martin, and others among the secret society are sinister infiltrators who understand that the Roman Catholic Church is indispensable for controlling future global elements in matters of church and state. Now, what I have said in times past is most likely the one world religion of Antichrist, which is what we're moving toward, will come under the banner of the Catholic Church. It's not going to be the Catholic religion anymore, though, as, as they know it. It's going to probably come under the banner. Because they have probably the biggest infrastructure, they have the most money from an infrastructure standpoint to implement this. And now here they talk about this danger of a false prophet arising from the ranks of Catholicism. Now, I know I've said this before, but I'll just give you a brief review. According to Maitreya, when he comes back, he's going to bring with him Sananda Emmanuel Jesus. The false Jesus, the one you've seen in all the Catholic pictures, all those years. That's not what Jesus looks like. That long hair, really good looking Jesus. That's not what Jesus looks like. That's a Catholic portrayal of what he supposedly looks like. That wasn't like a portrait of him taken on the cross. That's what they... And it's kind of funny because the ascended master Jesus that we've talked about, this, ascend, this Sananda Emmanuel false Jesus who's one of the ascended masters, who supposedly is under Maitreya, they say when Maitreya comes, Jesus is going to come back to him. And guess what? Islamic prophecies say the same thing's going to happen. When Maitreya, or the Imam Mahdi, Maitreya calls himself everything. He's the Imam Mahdi to the Muslims, who is their awaited savior. He is the fifth Buddha to the Buddhists, who is their awaited savior. <clears throat> He's the Christ to the Christians, who is our awaited savior. He is the Messiah to the Jews, who's their awaited Savior. He is Krishna to the Hindus, who's their awaited Savior. 
Okay, but when Maitreya comes back, and this is according to Sharon International, according to Benjamin Kern, Maitreya himself, New Age writings, he's going to come back with this ascended Master Jesus, who's underneath and subordinate to Maitreya. That's what they're going to say. According to their literature, not mine, they're going to set Jesus Christ up as the leader of the religious faction, this one world religious religion, He's going to be the leader. And where is he going to lead from? The Catholic Church, the Vatican in Rome. Now, I don't know whether that means he's going to be the next Pope. I'm not sure how that's going to play out, or if it's even going to play out that way. I mean, we're dealing with lying and deceivers. I'm telling you, that's what they said. So this false prophet rising from in the ranks of Catholicism, you know, according to the New Agers, according to Maitreya, Krem, Share International, and these things, that's going to be Jesus this false master Jesus. Who better to unite at least the supposed... Well, he could unite... He would be very effective at uniting if he can pull off his deception, and he will. He would be very effective at uniting almost all the major religious systems in the world that have any kind of Christian veneer. And that would include... even things like the Mormons and the Jehovah Witnesses. Because, you know, they say, well, we use the Bible... Many of the other fringe cults, many of the other thousands of Christian denominations worldwide, there are literally thousands, offshoots and branches and things of this nature. He would also be effective at uniting the Muslims, the, one of the other monotheistic faiths, because they're expecting Imam Mahdi to come back with Jesus Christ, who the Quran and, and some of the writings talk about. So... If that happened, and then you had all the lying signs and wonders to boot, which we know is going to happen, I can see a very plausible scenario for all world religions uniting. Anyway, that's just my opinion. But it's really not my opinion, it's what they're saying as well. So we'll see how it plays out, though. Let's see here. Uh, O'Connor was not alone as a whistleblower to the vast Masonic conspiracy within the Vatican's ranks, covertly working toward the New World Order. Retired professor of Pontifical Biblical Institute, Catholic theologian and former Jesuit priest, Malachi Martin, (coughs) was a close personal friend of Pope John Paul VI. Malachi Martin had become increasingly candid about what he said was a pedophilic Satanism. Pedophilic Satanism. Now we've got the admitted pedophilia child molestation going on, combining that with Satanism, which is what I talked about with Aleister Crowley. Satanists at the highest level molest children. This is one of the ways, one of the main ways they believe they garner more power. They vampirize the innocence from these children. They think it increases their power. And they're also defiling these little children for satanic, to please Satan, or whatever devil or demon they're serving. Pedophilic Satanism. Hey, it kind of goes hand in hand. He was candid about what was said. What he said was called pedophilic Satanism among certain cardinals and other clergy in league with the secret Masonic Diabolicus. Now that's a word for you. That began following, quote, the enthronement of the fallen archangel Lucifer in the Roman Catholic Citadel on June 29, 1963. Martin stated publicly on more than one occasion that the enthronement of Lucifer in Rome was based on fact, and that to facilitate the black magic, a parallel ceremony was conducted simultaneously in the United States in Charleston, South Carolina. The reason this location was selected has remained obscured to many, but given what Malachi said about the Masonic connection, it makes sense that South Carolina was chosen, as it is the site of the first Supreme Council of the Scottish Rite Freemasonry, in the U.S., called, quote, the Mother Lodge of the World, end of quote, where in 1859, champion of the Luciferian dogma for the Masonic Illuminatus, Albert Pike, became the Grand Commander of the Supreme Council, where he served the Order of the Quest until his death in Washington, D.C. on April 2nd, 1892. Now, Albert Pike, I talked about him last week, I've talked about him several times, is the one that's predicted the three world wars, was shown to it in a satanic vision. He was the one that started the Ku Klux Klan. 
he was a Confederate war general, and he was the only Confederate war general with an actual statue of him within the Washington, D.C. city limits. He was the one that wrote Morals and Dogma, which is like the uh, Luciferian Masonic Bible of the Freemasons. There's two versions. There's an exoteric and there's an esoteric. The esoteric really reveals their true agenda, where they come flat out and they say, Worshipper Lucifer is God. I've got the quotes. The quotes are up on, you know, you can get them. Hard to get an esoteric version, and I want to try to get one, because it's cursed. Bring those, it's not good to bring those books into your house. I just don't think it's a good thing to do. Anyway, he was a Luciferian. He was a Satanist, Albert Pike. And this is the very place that they committed this parallel ceremony, where Albert Pike became the Grand Commander of the Supreme Council. So, anyway... Something to think about there. But that's how bad the Catholic Church is. That's how satanic, how evil, how corrupt, how wicked. And we just touch on a few things. You could literally, I could literally do at least a 20-part study. Now, I've done several studies on the Catholic Church. Several. But as far as, um, and you could access those, again, either YouTube or you go to contendingfortruth.com, go up to the audio tab, and then go to the archive section there. And uh, they're all there, pretty much about 380 of them. Next article, this is very interesting. Um, Breaking news, Red Heifer is ready to be sacrificed for the Third Temple. Okay, so this is the Jesse Woodrow Show, and I understand I've had some people email me and say that there's problems with his ministry, okay? I understand that. And, and again, if I could always glean from from uh, 100% uh, born-again, Bible-believing, right-down-the-line Christian sources, it would be great. But, again, a lot of times we have to quote from secular sources and things of this nature. I'm just trying to glean here, okay? So, um, this is something that he talked about. I get this newsletter every week as well from the Temple Institute, which is the main... Um, organization in Israel that is concerned with the rebuilding of the third temple and they have already got tons and tons and tons of things already in place for the third temple the menorah the the garments have been made for the priests the all you you just about you name it and they've pretty much got it ready just a matter of the building process at this point one of the main things they've been waiting on is the spotless red heifer so when they say red heifer just understand something this is a spotless according to the bible red heifer Meaning there can't be any pore or any hair follicle where there's two hairs growing out of the same follicle. I mean, that's just one of the criteria of this of this red heifer. And so he's going to go on to explain a little bit about this, and then we're going to hear an audio from the Temple Institute itself, from the man, one of the mans that runs it. And this is pretty interesting stuff here. So I'll let this go now. There is... Big news out of Israel, and I listen to this show every Monday. I listen to this show called Temple Talk. And uh, there is big, big news that Israel, the Temple Institute, where I have been, right there in Jerusalem, uh, they are in charge of the Third Temple. They're in charge of building the Third Temple. The Temple Institute has bombshell breaking news. Now, whether than, or rather than me telling you what it is, I want to just play for you the clip of Rabbi Heim Richman with the groundbreaking, huge bombshell news as he says it is. Here is breaking news from the Temple Institute that we all need to know about. Heim Richman from the Temple Institute. Holy Temple. And none of that is the bombshell. The bombshell I wanted to mention is the fact that because everyone is very interested in the status of the red heifer. People speculate. People remember the excitement of when a red heifer was born. People talk about it, and the reason for that, of course, why there's such excitement every time everybody, anybody mentions a red heifer is because uh, a lot of people know that there is a Jewish tradition, it's in the Mishnah, that there were only nine red heifers throughout the entire history of um, Jewish people. We're, now, we're, we're, we're going to talk about what the mission means. I'm going to talk about all this. I just want you guys to hear this bombshell evidence. And there were nine red heifers that were, and the ashes from those red heifers were enough to accomplish the process of cleansing for all the generations of the, of the people of Israel. 
And there is a tradition that the tenth red heifer is the one that's associated with the rebuilding of the third temple. That's why when there's a news report about a red heifer being born, people get very, very excited. It's looked on as some sort of a wake-up call or something. Remember, this guy right here that we're talking about, this guy that's speaking right now, is in charge of building the third temple. Now, you and I know the third temple is not going to house the actual Messiah. It's going to house the Antichrist. So this Messiah that he's talking about is not our Messiah. It's not Jesus Christ. It's the Antichrist. He's absolutely right about that. It's very important we understand that. This isn't something you get excited from because, you know, you want to donate money like a lot of Christians do. Like if you follow John Hagee or these other organizations where they actually donate money to rebuild the third temple. Well, why would you want to possibly do that where sacrifices, animal sacrifices, and all the Old Testament Levitical stuff, Jesus Christ came and did away with that system. He was the spotless lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth, and those things are, are, are gone. But the Bible does predict Daniel and these types of things uh, regarding the temple. So, and the Antichrist coming and defiling and the abomination of desolation and things of this nature. I've got into this a lot in times past and other teachings. So, um, the third temple does need to be rebuilt. So from that standpoint, from a biblical standpoint, uh, is kind of how we want to look at it. I wanted to share with our listeners far and wide mm-hmm. the fact that there is definitely a kosher red heifer here in Israel. Whoa! Kosher red heifer! There is one! There is a kosher red heifer! Now we're going to talk about... What did I think this guy needs to be a little more theatrical, if that's possible. Um, I'll, I'm going to email him about that. Anyway, well, let's go further. This means, what is a kosher red heifer? What, what, what meets the requirements? Why does it matter to you and I? Mm. This right is now. really uh, breaking news. Yes, it is. This should be on a, on a scroll it on the bottom be. of a CNN or something. It should be. And it's a scroll on the Jesse Woodrow show for sure. That's right. It really should be. It should be. We're not making a lot of noise about it. We're not. We're not. I mean, this is this is really gigantically huge from a prophetic, biblical standpoint. Rebuilding of the third temple standpoint. Now, I've said, you know, you know, the Antichrist could come on the scene, and this is this is kind of one of the things you would expect to see prior to the Antichrist coming on the scene. I mean, it really is. So, it's a big, it really is a big deal from a biblical standpoint. Taking out all sorts of ads, and we're not, uh, certainly not disclosing the location. That's definitely not prudent, and I'm not going to be sharing it with the United States Embassy. Absolutely not. But you should know that there are definitely, in fact, I think there's more than one, but there is definitely at least... More than one? Now, what, what does this mean for you and I? If there's more than one, let's say this one develops a red, uh, you know, some kind of a white spot on it, or it develops some kind of blemish where it's not actually going to be able to be used and does not have the requirements of Jewish law. He said there seems to be another one, which, I mean, he's indicating not just one, but maybe more than one. One kosher red heifer here in Israel right now, so that is not what is impeding the process at all. Okay, now when he says that, well, that's not what's impeding the process at all. He's saying that... We're, we we want to build this uh, third temple. The fact that we have not built it, it's not that there's not a red heifer. He's saying there is a red heifer. So don't think that we can't go ahead and build the third temple. We want to build it. And the fact that we didn't have a red heifer, that's not impeding it. We got the red heifer. We can now build it. That's a great encouragement. Source of uh, comfort, I think. But again, it's also a reminder that uh, we have our work cut out for us, and uh, the days are passing. And uh, the day he says, "Now we have our work cut out for us." The days are passing, which means we got to do this now. We got to sacrifice this red heifer now. We got to do this now. You know, we have to keep on with it and and keep working toward our goal. Um, Rabbi, we have a few minutes left in the show, and you. Okay, that, 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 that's all the clip. So, so big news, breaking news, out of Israel, that the Temple Institute, who is in charge of, he, they've got all of the instruments, they've got all of the outfits that you're supposed to wear, they've trained the 400 uh, Levitical priests. I've been there, I've seen these people myself, I've taken video footage, even though I wasn't supposed to, I took video footage 
of the actual celebration on uh, Friday night. Them running down, dancing like David dance. You know, it's so funny. We have these churches now, and they're so silent. And it's almost a crime to raise your hands and say hallelujah. Meanwhile, the Jews jump around and scream hallelujah to the Lord, and you guys can't raise your hands and say praise God louder than praise God. So, anyway, that's a whole nother show. But the point is, the Temple Institute has said they have now not only one, but they think there are more than one red heifers available for the sacrifice that is needed before the third temple is to be built. Now, let's get into all what this means. Numbers chapter 19 says this. This is the ordinance of the law which the Lord hath commanded, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel that they bring thee a red heifer without spot, wherein is no blemish, upon never which never came yoke. So there has to be no blemish, no white spots, no anything wrong. It has to be a pure red heifer. Uh, it also says that it has to have no yoke. The yoke, what that means is the animal cannot work for man. It has to be a free-range animal that just has never had a saddle put on it if you're a horse, never, never been worked. Uh, and that's what that means. Now, uh, then, verse 3, And you shall give her unto, unto uh, Eleazar the priest, that uh, he may bring her forth without the camp, and one shall slay her before his face, and Eleazar the priest shall take of her blood with his fingers, and sprinkle of her blood directly before the tabernacle of the congregation seven times. So, this happened both in the first temple and in the second temple. And I spoke to, now, Yehuda Glick, uh, you have Heim Richmond, and then you have Yehuda Glick. These are the two men that are in charge of building the third temple. They're, they are at the Temple Institute. Now, if you have not visited uh, the templeinstitute.org, the website, you can do so. It's on the Internet. And uh, But I have been there. I've physically been in the Temple Institute, uh, which sits not even a football field away from the Wailing Wall. And uh, you can see the gold uh, Dome of the Rock, obviously the Muslim Dome of the Rock from uh, the Temple Institute. But I had Yehuda Glick tell me, the redhead man, you've probably seen pictures of me, I posted them he here and there. Yehuda Glick uh, told me, uh, I confronted him three times, three times in the Temple Institute, and he ignored me all three times. He would not answer my question. He just looked at me and, and kept talking. And, I, and so finally, I took him off in the corner. I said, sir, I'm not trying to be rude. I want to get an answer straight. Do you, and this is two years ago, three years ago, I said, do you have a red heifer and has he been slaughtered already? And he looked at me with this, stop asking me this. But because I was excuse me, pestering him, he answered me and he said, the second temple, they didn't do it before the temple was actually constructed. Now, at that time, when he said that to me, what he was saying was, we don't actually have to do it before the temple's is constructed, but we have to do it before the temple starts actual ministration, meaning it actually is being used by the priest. So, now that we've heard they actually do have a red heifer, and they have not built the temple on the Temple Mount, they have all of the things in order to go ahead and build this their temple. Now, what does this mean for you and I? Uh, we're going to go through the timeline of events that must take place is the rapture going to happen now? Is it going to happen later? Does it have to happen now? Does it have to happen later? We're going to answer those questions. Okay, so that was the clip. And um, it's pretty heavy-duty news. Something to <clears throat> file away and, and to think about. Now, I haven't heard that anybody getting into this lately. I haven't really heard any other organizations. But um, <clears throat> that was a quote from the Temple Institute. And I've even got a link here. I'll have, it, I'll, I'll have a link here to the audio and then also a link to the Temple Institute. They've got a whole separate section at the Temple Institute on the red heifer. It even shows a picture of one, what it's supposed to look like. Um, he's a cute little bugger. Anyway, um, but it has the red heifer, the mystery of the red heifer, divine promise of purity. This is right from the Temple Institute. And... Um, then they give the following as an in-depth study of the history and tradition of the red heifer has been exerted from the book The Mystery of the Red Heifer, Divine Promise of Purity. It's no longer in print. This was written by Rabbi Chaim Richmond. 
And it's a whole, I mean, I'm not telling you to go up here and do, I'm just saying if you did want to know more about it, you just like I said, be careful that you don't fall into the whole Hebrew roots thing, okay? Uh, this is just more to clarify things. But it tells you the history. Um, Numbers 19, understand biblical purity, the oral tradition, the order of burning the red heifer, the ceremony. So anyway, it gives you a whole thing here if you wanted to know more about this. And um, anyway, heavy duty news. Let's go further. Um, this is the next article, and it's entitled, Another City Orders Home Bible Studies Closed. A South Carol- Cal- California city has ordered a Friday night Bible study involving about a dozen people to shut down its meetings by Good Friday. Or members could face financial sanctions. Or they could apply to purchase an expensive permit from the city government. See, the, the government's trying to bring everybody in line to what the 501c3 church system system has become. Now they're trying to do it to home churches because everybody's got to be in line with the government. They're the ones that have to give you your permission to be able to do what you do as a church. But I don't recall Jesus or any of the apostles ever going to the government asking for permission to, you know, bring out and to set forth the truth and the word of God and these types of things. The new case is similar to the dispute last week in Gilbert, Arizona, and then another last year in San Diego County. Now, Rancho Cucamonga. Now, what a place to live. Rancho Cucamonga. That's a, now, that's a name there. I mean, that, that's crazy. Anyway, in Rancho Cucamonga, legal experts defending Bible study members say the city is targeting a Bible study for banishment. And officials say they're not budging. In Rancho Cucamonga, the city apparently is intentionally pursuing the closure of a Bible study, according to Brad Dacus, whose Pacific Justice Institute is working on the case. Rancho Cucamonga officials are demanding that the small home Bible study stop meeting or apply to purchase a conditional use permit that also would require be required for a full church operation. So they're, again, it's trying to put them in that classification of you know the full 501c3 churches would have to operate in. Dacus said the study group has been meeting Friday nights and averages about 15 people. Members are affiliated with the Shiloh Tabernacle, which rents a community center for Sunday services. So they've got a building they rent for Sunday services, and they just meet at this one house on a Friday night, and there's about 15 people. Evidently, it's a gigantic deal, though, to, to the city, the control freaks. The city recently dispatched a letter to the homeowner insisting the study is not allowed because, quote, it is a church. Dacus said, in the city, churches are required to obtain a conditional use permit in residential areas. The city has also indicated that no CUP or this conditional use permit would be granted and that gatherings must cease by Good Friday, April 2nd. That sounds like Nazi Germany. Senior counsel Michael Pfeiffer who heads the organization's South Carolina office, represents the homeowner where the Bible study meets, and is contesting the orders. Well, praise the Lord, they should be doing that. His organization previously has guided churches through the CUP process, which requires... Now, this is what you... To get one of these permits, here's what you got to do. It requires public hearings, traffic studies, architectural design reviews, and even seismic retrofits. Meaning, like, if they're in a high earthquake area, they got to have seismic retrofits on their house or wherever, which is a process that can cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. Again, they're just trying to shut down these types of movements. We will give the city a chance to rescind its letter without litigation, but we are fully prepared to take this as far as necessary to defend the Bible study group, and countless others like it. He said, good, praise the Lord. Multiple World Daily messages left with the members of the city's building department as well as other city officials were not returned. That's no surprise. Dacus said the city stance is a significant problem because the definition of the church is so broad. According to the definition, a family praying over dinner would qualify as a church. I mean, is that what it's going to come to? The precedent that would be created should, should, the, should the rule stand, he said, should alarm religious people across the nation. When you step back and look at communist China, home churches are being persecuted there. There isn't any difference. This isn't even a church, just a Bible study, facing the same ultimatums, the same demands as in communist China. Make no mistake, if we, if we let the city of Rancho Cucamonga get away with this, it will be a green light to every other U.S. city to do the same. 
This is no misunderstanding, he said. In this case, the city knows exactly what they're doing, exactly what the facts are, and they're not budging. The city, however, has no similar restrictions for Monday night football parties or other various events to be held in homes, which they may have way more people than 15. Oh, no, that doesn't apply. So it's, it's a double standard, in other words. I'm going to go ahead and end part two there. We'll go to part three next.